With Tim O'Malley, I'm Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated, and you have tuned in to Irish Illustrated Insider. It is Tuesday, December 3rd, coming to you a little bit later than normal. Kind of an odyssey coming back for some of us, but we are here, and it was Notre Dame 45, Stanford 24. The Fighting Irish finished 10-2, and await the bull decision this weekend. I'm not sure, Tim, that there's a huge decision to be made unless... We talked about this scenario from Stanford Stadium, unless Georgia beats LSU and Wisconsin beats Ohio State, which is nothing that I would like to place a wager on. <laughs> no. Uh, otherwise, it's uh, Camping World Bowl. Maybe it's a, it's a little bit more undetermined as to the opponent because Texas seemed to enter into the fray while we were still at Stanford. And then came the news of firing of every important person on the staff at Texas. So I'm not exactly sure how that alters that decision, but... Quite likely, Notre Dame against a Big 12 representative in the Camping World Bowl on December 28th. And I think the Camping World Bowl name is something you've got to get over a little bit. I mean, when it was the Champ Sports Bowl in 2011, Notre Dame played Florida State. That felt like a big game. I know, it was later. It was a little bit later in the uh, in the season. Look, this was the Blockbuster Bowl, the Russell Athletic Bowl. They weren't seen as bad as the Camping World Bowl does sound kind of lame. Um, but if if you could just yeah, if you could get a better opponent in there, a bigger name opponent would be ideal for me. P- people all look at this differently. What's more important, the date you play? The well, all the all, I mean, a lot of big, above, a lot of big games are being played well before January first. So this that's is not below the issue, Citrus Bowl, though, where we no, no were a couple years a couple years ago. No doubt that I know people. That's not a major six New Year's win, but that was a good. That was a two prime time programs in a historic bowl. And the only way this is prime time is if it's Texas. Yes. And this not, cannot not have that, that feel. Not, not that they're the best opponent Notre Dame could play. No, but among the four candidates, I guess. It's, uh, although maybe they are. I, I don't know. Oklahoma state, I think is challenging. Yeah. But I think Texas is the only name that makes people think, Hey, let's tune in and ESPN leading into the playoffs with Texas Notre Dame would be pretty happy about it as well. That's true. But yeah, the, because the uh, the lack of recognition of bowl, it is going to be a disappointment. I, you and I both said watching Stanford, this is a Citrus Bowl quality team. Notre Dame, in Notre other Dame, words, yes. Notre Dame. They are at least that they are deserved better than the Camping Bowl this one time, Camping World Bowl. But they're not going to probably get it. Um, I don't, and I think they would. Plenty of teams deserve New Year's Six. I think Notre Dame could win a New Year's Six bowl depending on the opponent. But they're at least a Citrus Bowl level team. Is kind of how we were looking at it at that moment. There, and I actually meant to go, and I will do this at some point, maybe put on our message board. There, there are 10 to 2 teams that don't get a New Year's Six Day Bowl. Now, um, I don't know, is Notre Dame going to be the only one this year? I, that, that may be, that's not true. No, not at all. I mean, among Power 5 yeah. conferences, though. Uh, but that, but it's happened before. I, 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 I'll look that up and provide that. And it doesn't really matter. I just, I just don't. Notre Dame's not getting screwed by anybody because they're Notre Dame and they're independent, although we do have a question on that in segment two. It just is what it is. I think and on that, a technicality they're getting screwed because they're independent, but that wouldn't be that way every year. Like that That's the only time it's happened. Right. right. It, it can work out in their favor, too. It's just not going Notre to. Dame, Notre Dame, uh, you know, before we had the, the BCS and all the, the inner, you know, before it was just a bowl system and flat out nothing more. Notre Dame got the benefit of the doubt way, way more all the time. You know, playing in a Fiesta Bowl with a 6-4-1 and one record. Uh, you know, but that was a long time ago, and I get that, and times have changed. It just, I guess I just don't want to worry about it. It's a game with an opponent, and they're playing it, and it's important because it's being played. And, and to me, you only get to play 13 games a year, 14 if you're in the playoffs, 15 if you're in a conference, and in the national championship it's important because it's being played and they're going to keep score and you want to win and finish 11 and 2 i mean even without kind of looking at it from the purest standpoint i think it's important because the way notre dame has finished that they've won all throughout win, november five win in six a row. win yeah. six in a row to end the season right and you know if if you're limping into this game or you, you lost to say a, let's say you lost to a decent Virginia Tech team on senior day or something like that. just go back a couple of years where they limped into the citrus bowl and they been a, there's been a lot of times where they've limped into, limped into a bowl game. Right, well, they limped in the pinstripe bowl. And if that was going on like they limped in the pinstripe bowl, that, that I would disagree with you. <laughs> that it's important because they're keeping score and a game is being played. Because that had literally no upside. This has plenty of upside of finishing okay. six. Well, I, I, okay, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> this, this I agree. Has, playing playing this Rutgers upside. in the pinstripe yes. bowl is not very important. We did still attend, right? Yes. We, we yeah. still went. It was a noon game. We got in a bus crash. <laughs> 
Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, the way back. It wasn't. We weren't in any danger, yeah. but we did get in a, a, fen, a fender yeah, bender on the way back. Bus, the bus yes. won. But um, yeah, no, it, you've won five in a row. You want to see Notre Dame can win six in a row going the off season. Eleven and two means a lot more than some other records do. Eleven wins is eleven and two record is is a heck of a year in the end. Looking back, when you look it's at just, the Brian, let's say Brian Kelly goes twelve and one next year. Ten and three the next year, and then wins a national title with Tyler Buckner. Wouldn't you love to see eleven and two on that resume too? When you start looking at all this, I know people are just writing him off and writing everything off, but you're compiling good seasons. It matters to you. It does. It matters to people listening now that they beat LSU in the Citrus Bowl and won ten games. That matters now. It it absolutely does. Then it was cool, and it's this is a thing where they're not lipping to this game. I would I would really be disappointed if they went in and laid an egg somehow. Um, we'll get way more into this, but they will not treat this month well, the way they treated the playoffs. It's month. also you, you impo- it's also important because if you look at the roster and how many guys are coming back, yeah, it ma- it matters to a vast majority of this roster. I would be surprised if they don't play well. Um, I do want to say you 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 can't treat this the way you did the playoff month, where your goal is that game. You uh, have no, to develop young players. Ab- you have absolutely to not. You have and to. and we're go- we're going to find out in a few days if there are any seniors that. Choose not to play in this game. I wouldn't think that there would be a, a rash number. No, if, uh, I, I mean if Claypool really did some did tweaks anything in December, I would give him a complete pass of not playing in this game because his he can make so much money in the combine. He can make more money in the combine than he can playing. Well, that's this game. a good no, that's a good way of putting it. That's exactly right. There's a lot to be as my, as his fo- former teammate proved, Miles Boykin. Yeah. There's a ton to be gained in in the combine. But if he goes in healthy, I can't see that competitor not playing. I would agree. Uh, you know, Khalid Kareem, we know what a tremendous competitor he is. He would he would probably have a lot to lose by getting injured in the bowl game. You couldn't get him out of games and you're up thirty against I know. Duke in the fourth I know. quarter. He was I, trying so but hard. But you know, yeah. and I and I feel I feel a lot differently about it than I once did because it's so commonplace throughout college football. I, I I mean it's just a fact of life now that that someone could could choose that option. I don't know how many others, you know, Asmar Blau probably needs to continue to raise his profile. Uh, I don't know. We'll find out. Um, it's disappointing when it happens, especially because we're placing weight on that 11th win. Yeah, I would bet no one, unless there's an injury involved, that makes yeah. it tricky to play. Yeah, we'll find out. Uh, so as far as, as um, further on bowl games, um, you know, the whole Orange Bowl thing was brought about because Kirk Herbstreet said Nording was going to the Orange Bowl if they went 10-2. and two. Uh, which then prompted me to to cash in a chip and call a guy that I've known for a long time, a Notre Dame graduate, Jack Seiler, from the Orange Bowl, uh, eighty five grad, three years after myself, and and uh, he was kind enough to to take the time to explain it all to me, and then I kind of wrote the story incorrectly and had to uh, had to amend it. Um, but Notre Dame, and you me, thought about that in the worst place possible. I'm in my car yeah. driving to <laughs> yeah in a rental car driving to the game with O'Malley. It's like. Wait a minute! I screwed that up. I, I screwed that up. We got to get to the press box. I, I could, I guess, I could have done it then, but I was driving, and you were like, "Can we? Can I make a change and tweak it?" No, I got to, got to change a couple paragraphs. Anyway, that was never going to happen unless a multitude of things would have occurred, and they were, they're not, go, they weren't going to replace the ACC rep because Jack uh, John Swafford was adamant about not allowing that to be negotiated into the contract. He wasn't going to sell out the ACC. We'll talk more about what this means to Notre Dame and bowl games in the future, et cetera. Uh, but uh, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Texas. Who's the other one? Iowa, Iowa State. Iowa State. Did you see that Matt Campbell signed an extension through 2025? Maybe he can get out of it in 2020. But why would, you, why would he sign an extension right at this moment yeah. when he's a pro- about to probably be wooed like – that is odd timing, and it probably disappointed Pete. We'll be back with us in our next podcast, but that's been his guy for a while for the next coach in Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm Matt Rule. Remember, yeah, I, I, you have your concerns about both of them. Don't well, you? my con- I, my concern about Matt Campbell is that I know, I mean, just the the image representing Notre Dame. Not not that he's a bad guy in any way, but the the Notre Dame head coach, although Charlie Weiss represented Notre Dame, so. Anything's possible. Um, and then as far as Matt Rule, Matt Rule is a really, really good coach. And that was the guy that I said years ago when he was at Temple, 
and I just wonder whether the personality fits the place. I'm kind of looking at a lot of the peripheral things, and we're getting ahead of ourselves because Brian Kelly isn't going anywhere, including Florida State. <laughs> but but anyway, it'll be somebody from the Big 12. Texas, I think, is more interesting. As you said, it's a profile name. Um, it's, Iowa State it's is true. the least interesting, and it might be a really good game because they can play some. Is Iowa State is Iowa State less interesting than Kansas State? Yeah, they're on the same. I think they're about they're of, about on the same level. Yeah. Even I mean, Kansas State has been a perennial great program until their their longtime head coach retired. I don't like Kansas State seven years ago. Dead. You for yeah, the national same, championship? Yeah. yeah, that would have been that would have been good. I uh, yeah, that would have been good. All right, we will uh, come back for segment two, burning up the boards. We might even talk about Stanford. A little in segment two. Should we, we do that? Yeah. Should we st- <laughs> do we have any time to talk about in this I, game? I think we do. Let's, All right, let's poor go. Guys. Let's there go. Was, well, I mean, there was some angst in the press box for a while. There and, was and some on angst. the message board. It was seeping through to everybody. There was some angst, and I was carrying a vast majority of the angst in the press boxes. O'Malley can attest because it just you didn't. I mean, you just didn't want God. You didn't want to end that way, right? Right. And Stanford was playing well, and they had they 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 had. They had a good scheme early on. Notre Dame was playing a lot of zone coverage. Notre Dame's playing with their two defensive tackles until they just said, we're going to put our best defensive lineman on the field yeah. now. Uh, and, and that caused Davis Mills some problems at that point. And Clark Lee, again, he just finds a way. to uh, He sees something, and he finds a way of correcting it, and he can impart that correction to his entire unit. And they rise to the occasion. I mean, when I asked Brian Kelly, I've, I've asked Brian Kelly over the years naming assistants by name because he was an assistant that's doing a particularly good job, and he rarely acknowledges. He makes it about the entire offense, the entire defense, the entire team sometimes. Yeah. Even Bob Biacco in 2012, by the way, when he was shutting everybody out, <laughs> he just wouldn't, he wouldn't mention his name. He, he readily said Clark Lee has an, an incredible ability to calmly teach what he sees and what he has to get done, and it's on the fly. I mean... They, he, but he is not. I'm not saying one of the five finalists. There's a lot of great coaches out there. That he was not one of the 41 finalists. That's ridiculous. For the Royals award is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. It's preposterous in every way. I will say that Lou Holtz. I can remember bringing up Barry Alvarez, and he and Lou Holtz was adamant about saying it's Notre Dame's defense, and I, and I get that, yeah. and, and and I get that completely. But you're right. I mean, how much did Clark Lee prepare to have four defensive ends on the field at all? Right. It's just. I mean, I. I Maybe they did because they moved Ogundeji inside yeah, during the week. Part of it, but boy, and Kareem can just play it. Kareem can play it. Jameer Jones was inside as well. But basically, they were playing with four defensive ends at a, at a certain point, and Mills threw for 80 yards in the second half. He had 80 yards midway through the – I mean, in, within their yeah. second series of the game. Um, so, yeah, they did a – I mean, Clark Lee's a really, really good defensive coordinator, and his calm demeanor, I think, you know, I noted in tail of the tape that he was. They showed him when Heinish missed the sack, and I even commented that he was a lot calmer than I was in the press box when <laughs> yeah. when Heinish missed the sack. But I mean, I think that serves him really, really well, and you can see why because he's able to calmly make adjustments. He's got a bunch of good players there, especially on that defensive line, and um, you know they they did the job at that point. The offense started to click as well at that point, and. Um, you know, it really wasn't. It, I predicted a 22-point game, and it was a 21-point game, but it certainly wasn't that easy. Yeah, huge positives for me is how Lindsey continued to come on. Um, the jet sweeps, and, he's, and also getting involved in the passing game. Uh, in the offshoots of that stuff, too, I noted that in the oh, tail yeah, of the tape, that yeah. the, the, the plays that you can incorporate that that don't even give the ball to, to Braden Lindsey uh, adds to the diversity of what, what Chip Long can call. It'll be a tough offense in the bowl game. It's Fink will be healthy again, and I know people are trying to figure out, well, the people that think that Lawrence Keyes is better than Fink now haven't watched football for a month and a half. Um, I'm telling Chris you. Chris Fink made so many plays in November we're to gonna help have this a, team. We're going to have a story. I didn't yeah. get to it pre-Stanford, but we're going to have a story on Lawrence Keyes yeah. later this week. Great, good up-and-coming player. Yeah, Real. and I'm here to tell you that Lawrence Keyes absolutely believes that Chris Fink is a better football player than him. He loves and adores Chris Fink. For the the man that he is and the the example that he has set for him, uh, I it's a shame kind of that all of it didn't come together until it was quote unquote too late for this offense because they have become uh, an offense with many cogs. 
machine. Well, they, they did not have it earlier. They, well, they, they didn't. Guys. They didn't have a quarterback playing well enough well, to that, do that it. That hurts for, everything for too. one thing. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have that. They didn't have. You know, they they they're still not going to have a dynamic running back in in, in the bowl game per se. No, but he's Tony Jones is a productive player this year. No, he he has been, and he's done the most with what he has. It 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 drives us a little crazy when he's trying to create things laterally yeah, because everybody in the world knows is, that that's not what he should be doing. You know, I really thought Jafar Armstrong. That was the that that was a little bit of Jafar Armstrong last year. It's like okay, this guy has some burst. That was by far by far his longest run. Since oh yeah, back. I mean, and, and it was not a cheap long run either. He looked like Jafar Armstrong right. a little he, bit. He had he had an eleven yard run. He had a couple other runs that looked like okay, that's Jafar yeah. Armstrong. You know, he, man, he's still too upright. You know, upright runners are upright runners. You don't you just, you really can't yeah. change that, can you? I mean, even Ricky Waters to a large extent, who went on to have it, and he was brought up. You wait till you hear the game, the the rep, the former the references to former Notre Dame players by Brando and 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 Tillman. I mean, there there were references to Ricky Waters and Tony Brooks. I can't understand why Notre Dame can't compare to them. <laughs> Tony Brooks, <laughs> yeah. Tony Jones, Ricky Waters, Sebo Flemister, who I like a lot. I like them both a lot, but now we're living in a fantasy right, world. Man, I, I couldn't under listen to that. I couldn't understand why Notre Dame couldn't run the football this year with Waters <laughs> and Brooks. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> that that. Uh... Number of things to say is going to take a long time tomorrow. <laughs> All right, that's yeah. Well, those are the positives. Uh, Clark Lee, look, we'll be able to wrap up the season a lot more in December and January. But they ended up being a fun team to watch at the end of the year. It's a shame people stopped because they really, I mean, they really peaked after the second most important game. They do, and when you look at the roster coming back next year with a, with a couple of variables there that could really, really put them over the top. Tony well, Brooks. And Tony Jones, I, I like Tony Jones too, and now I'm going to have to cut him down. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ricky Waters is going to Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, <laughs> okay. I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Wait till you hear when you hear the whole thing, including the narrative that the refs were favoring Notre Dame. I mean, they created that narrative early in the game, so like every time there was a call, it was like they didn't say the refs are cheating Stanford, but they might as well have said. The refs are cheating Stanford. And you know I'm the last person to point out announcers being, because I think people exaggerate what they say, but it was a clown show, man. It was a clown show. Spencer Tillman played with Ricky Waters in San Francisco. What well, that's why, that, was part of, that was part <laughs> right. of why he made the, the connection. He did have a good quote about him. Like he said, it's like trying to tackle a knife. Which is, is a great, good. which is yeah. which is the one line that I did like about the whole thing. All right, long segment one, segment two coming up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Segment two, burning up the boards. We begin with a question from B.L. Caspern. Is the playoff committee specifically leaving Notre Dame out of the New Year's Six Bowls as a message that if we continue to stay independent, it's going to be very difficult, or is it more a lack of belief in Notre Dame in big games? I think it's 95% an emphasis on their last big game, Michigan, and how they were publicly flogged. I think there's probably 5% left over of Notre Dame has been getting killed in a couple of big games in prime time. I don't think the committee thinks of the big games of the past as much as they do what happened at Michigan this year. And I just don't think they're trying to leave them out. Um, the, the, what I, I think the Michigan game and beating teams that were average or just above average, like Virginia Tech, when Notre Dame played them, was 500. So no one thought of that as a good win. They've now lost again because of Virginia. Of course, they beat Virginia too. And it's but hard. It's hard to retrospectively it is, it's their give them job. credit for. It's their job to do it now. Oh, of course. They should look at USC being good. Now. I'm just saying in general, right. no, nobody's going to look. No. I mean, the general fandom is not going to look at that and say, "Oh, that was a good one." Because look how good Virginia Tech's record is, and USC because they were 500. But they, I mean, they were right. one game above 500. Now those teams. I mean, USC's good. Virginia Tech's pretty good. Virginia's pretty good. I mean, Navy was because. You know what's funny? Angelo DiCarlo said to me from uh, in the press box. Redeemer during, Radio. Redeemer Radio from the WND during the game. 
he said to me, they're killing Navy so much, they're not going to get credit for it. <laughs> In other words, if Navy came out and played no, a there's... great game and you won 30 to 13, you would get more credit for it. But they made them look terrible. I think there's and, a lot of truth And to they that. just haven't gotten credit for their wins. I, I, but Michigan's you know, why they haven't gotten credit for their yeah, wins. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't speak towards a bias towards independence. I just don't believe that the committee... All right, call me naive, but I have a lot more faith in the people that are entrusted with this, that are selected to a committee, that are professionals, that are going to make decisions based upon what's in the best interest of college, fo- college football. Uh, I probably misspoke on the 5% being their Notre Dame's pass. That would apply if Notre Dame was number five, and they were judging Notre Dame against a worthy number four. I think then Notre Dame could get the raw deal out of it because of what has happened and when they have played for national titles. I don't think it matters right now. I think it's Michigan. I think no one has paid attention to them since Michigan. Yeah, and you haven't, you really have I mean, you can say, look at Navy's record. Look at what Virginia Tech did. Look how USC has come on strong. But I mean, but again, USC to some extent, but, but none of those move the radar enough for you to be, to say, you know, to really be wowed by by what has been accomplished. US, USC's eight and four, right? If So if USC was eight and three and Notre Dame beat them, this past weekend, like they would have in an a even-numbered year, they would be getting a lot of credit for it. But unfortunately, that was not the case when they played USC. It's just, it's just some, it is some bad luck the way the schedule broke, but you also made your own bed and have to sleep in it from what happened against me. Yep, you got a long question here, Tim. Sports 19, are we seeing positive returns on our limited association with the ACC in football? I believe we were supposed to see more opportunities for bowl games being loosely associated with the conference than by being an independent. Will the administration still feel this way after in the Camping World Bowl in a four-loss ACC team? And he adds there might be one we already beat head-to-head. Gets an Orange Bowl bid ahead of 10-win Notre Dame that swept all ACC opponents they played. I am missing the positives we are getting from this quote-unquote partnership. Well, Okay, first of all, Notre Dame knew that this could happen. I mean, Jack Swarbrick was f- fully knew when the ACC said, no, we are not going to relinquish a spot in the Orange Bowl under any circumstances to Notre Dame. Um, I mean, that's just... Jack, John Swafford was not going to, to, to make that concession. I, I don't believe... There, the statement here, I believe we were supposed to see more opportunities for bowl games. I don't... Th- that wasn't the original no. intent of Notre Dame joining in with ACC. They wanted to assure a path to the national championship. And they have it while remaining independent. I, I think he means there. There is, you know, there's the not including the ACC, not including the uh, Orange Bowl. Excuse me. When Notre Dame's one game within an ACC member, they can jump them and take their bowl spot. That just didn't come into play this year. And I think people are wondering why that's not coming into play. It's because it's the Orange Bowl. I mean, if if Notre Dame is in this spot, give everybody another loss, and Notre Dame wanted to take the Camping World Bowl instead of the Pinstripe Bowl from someone. They could do it. Right. But that's not what's happening right now. It is, unfortunately, the Orange Bowl is what's involved. So that that caveat that Swarbrick had put in there that everybody loved at the time just doesn't apply this year. It doesn't apply to that bowl. No, it does not. And, you know, it's unfortunate. There are only so many, you know, again, I know know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but this was a university-wide decision. I know a lot of people don't care about the other sports. Well, that's because... You don't run the University of Notre Dame Athletics Department. It, it's important to them. And, and as I've said many times, Notre Dame is a national power athletically. I mean, across the board in sports, they are a national power athletically. And that's important to the University of Notre Dame. I, I get why, if you're a Notre Dame football fan, it's not important. But, but there's a reality that but you're there, not thinking Right, about. Yes. right. There's, there's a, exactly, there's a real, reality to it. Every... Every team has a finite number of bowls that they can go to based upon your conference affiliation. Notre Dame is no different than that. Now the Orange Bowl, that's a you know, that's a that's a tough one because one of the spots is assured to the ACC. Yeah. So that makes it a little bit more difficult. Um now does this prompt Notre Dame to go back to the I don't know exactly when contracts end or whatever, but 26 is this contract. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that doesn't give them a whole lot of wiggle room there. But does it go, Does it put Notre Dame in a position, Jack Swarbrick in a position where he tries to see what can be negotiated, I guess, long-term, if not short-term? Certainly. But 
I still contend and will always contend that the deal that was made with the ACC was absolutely groundbreaking for the University of Notre Dame and one that they would do over and over and over again. We've now come across one of the pitfalls of that deal. That's just the way, that's just it. That's the way it is. Denver Maximus, what in your opinion is the identity of the offense? Will it be the same next year? What does Notre Dame need to do in order to establish their identity? Brian Kelly seemed to dance around this question last weekend. Well, I I think it was Pete Sampson that that asked the question. Um, And they don't have a great identity offensively right now, but what, all you can do is make the best of a bad situation. And early in the season when, <laughs> excuse me, when their quarterback wasn't playing well, and now that they've lost two offensive linemen, they don't have a dynamic running back, and they have Chase Claypool and a really good tight end, and 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 really no, no top-level receivers after that. Lindsey's trending in that direction, and Fink has come in strong. I mean, okay, they don't have an identity right now, but I think Chip Long's done a really good job of in November of maximizing what they had, getting Braden Lindsay on the field a little bit more. But Lindsay had a concussion. Uh, he's had concussions. Yeah. He had the fatigue issue. He had headaches. Well, uh, did he have a hamstring or he had a leg injury at one point? That was back in the spring, I think. Right? Okay, that was way back when. Yeah, he missed. They the just didn't have him. a lot of options. They didn't have a lot of options. Sometimes, no matter you want to press a button that works, and sometimes you don't have a button that that's going to work. Yeah, I, I would give. the Gives them some credit if you think of it this way. In September, they had no identity. It was grab bag. Uh, you didn't have Komet. You didn't have Michael Young you were counting on. Lindsey absolutely wasn't ready. He's kind of was coming on a little. Fink was hurt, and Book wasn't that good. So you really didn't have much of an identity. And it Armstrong was hurt. Armstrong was hurt, too, and he was really being counted on, too. We know that. Uh, by the time you rolled into October and the end of September there, you started having a bit of a power running game to complement your offense because, remember, they, they sealed Virginia away by running the ball with Tony Jones. They put down USC by running the ball. Then it was just totally lost at Michigan. Tony Jones had 135 yards rushing in the last five games. He had 176 against USC. <coughs> and he probably had 89 in a quarter against Virginia. Um, they definitely evolved into what Brian Kelly said, though, when he was answering the question, was there a big play offense led by Chase Claypool, a great tight end that can not only move the chains but get you down the field, and they have some weapons now. He mentioned Lindsey. If you figure Lindsey, Keys, Fink, I love. I really like those complementary weapons to Claypool and Komet, and the running backs do their best. I mean, they were what they they do do their best. It's not yeah. like if you detest a Notre Dame running back, like you know people that hated Tommy Reese, who was all mis, just completely misplaced, he was doing by far his best. It's blame the recruiter that didn't bring in the good enough players, right. okay? So, Tony Jones, if you watch him the last three years, Tony Jones is one of the most improved players on the team. Now, this team, he won't win the award because there's Asmar Bilal and all those other guys that are ridiculous. But I like the pieces they have now. They need better running backs. And I think when they lost Kramer and Hainsey, they went away from what had been, and maybe Michigan did it to them too, they kind of went away from what they had established there for a while was they could run the ball too. Right. Boy, they sure don't, Right. No, they that no, well you can't they can't do it with running backs and that's why I do give Chip Long credit for creating a running game without running backs or with guys that are that do things like running backs but have a different designation yeah. to their their position doing things with Lindsey which also opens up other things in your in your game uh, man Cole Komet's been taking a beating here in recent weeks. Um, he's been dragging himself off the ground a yeah, lot. Yeah, he here doesn't like going weeks. down too. He's, he's the most, he's the best guy to watch, other than Eifert, or maybe maybe by next year alongside Eifert. He's the most fun tight end to watch at Notre Dame. I'm, I'm, he'd probably go back to Bavaro. I mean, in terms of like he could just take over at times. Tyler Eifert could take over a game. I mean, Kyle yeah. Rudolph could take over a game, but he didn't have the dragging himself off the turf that Eifert and Komet you have to kill. Yeah. It's it's it makes them yeah. fun to watch, admirable players to watch. I wish I was tailgating. What kind of potential do you see in each of the freshman defensive linemen after seeing them all get meaningful reps this fall? We didn't see Nano Safo Mensa, right? And I assume this is this is including um, redshirt freshmen as well. Well, Bosky <laughs> in a couple of years is going to be. An outstanding football player. Um, Brian Kelly, I, I, did you ask the question, how strong is Fosky? And Brian Kelly said weak. He's weak. He's weak. <laughs> yeah, that was, I'm sure that went over well. But uh, Fosky needs to gain strength. Uh, you can actually see a play, you probably wrote about in Tail of the Tape, where he just loses Cam Scarlett while he's trying to hold him near the goal line. 
he's holding on for dear uh, life I don't, and no, pulls I away. Yeah. Hey, you just looked and thought to yourself, that is 18-year-old Foskey, and he's not going to look like that when he's 20. Um, Howard Cross, they really like Howard Cross. He did a heck of a job when he was in there this year. Now, he had two games where he was better than the other players because it was New Mexico and Bowling Green. He had one game that he, they threw away with Michigan. But when he was in there for Navy, I mean, he looked like a player. He and, and Lacey coming on. Lacey made plays when you asked him to. You were calling for them. He yeah, no, he started he, to make some by the end of the year. He did. We did. Uh, Ovia Gufo didn't uh, did even play. I, I mean, I don't know that, that he even was. played at defensive end. I'm not exactly sure why, but he's a guy that has a lot of natural, or he's developed yeah. a lot of pass rush ability. I think Justin Adamiola is very underrated, he, isn't he? Is, he was last year too. He made plays when he went in last year. I mean, year. I, I and and his his twin brother makes plays too. I, I, you know, I just I give him a lot of credit. So I think that there, I think there's some ability there. And Foskey, I agree with you. I mean, he's just he's just Foskey's just doing things on instinct uh, at defensive end. And you know, here they're 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 playing Stanford in the 12th game of the year, and he's easily mixing in with everybody, and he just he looks like, okay, he's another one of the guys that could make a play on the next snap. Yeah, and guys like um, Osafa Menso and Spears, you're not supposed to do as well as Cross and Foskey. And Adriola did. I mean, they needed some time to percolate. Yeah, and, I, and you know, I mean, I, I I always liked Foskey as a better prospect than Osafa Mensa. I'm not sure exactly how good Osafa Mensa is going to be. It's way early in his career. And he's, I mean, he's got the frame. He has the ability to do it. He's two years away from us. We're worrying about that. <clears throat> probably he's, he's probably true because so yeah. many defensive ends are, are coming back next year. Um, uh, speaking of Jason Adamiola making plays, I want to throw this out there because I was doing my, Jason or Justin? Jason in this, in this particular okay. instance. So he averaged 20 snaps a game before missing the last two games. Right. He is second on the defensive line in stuffs. <laughs> Not average, total. Only behind Kareem by two Going into the game, Kareem had some this game. So he was only two stuffs behind Khalid Kareem, who plays twice as many snaps and had played two more games it's, going it's, to this it, one. It's, that's, a, it's astonishing. It, I, I have to watch him in the offseason when we really have time to see if he got moved when he didn't make stuffs. Because you know how you notice a guy making a play? Right. And maybe he might not notice right. that he was getting moved out of his gap. Because, I mean, if he well, doesn't get moved, they are having a real battle next year with MTA and Adamiola. Mike Elston made a comment. I don't, re- I don't remember if it was last December or if it was in the spring. It doesn't really matter. But it was just about <clears throat> consistency of, of play and understanding your role within the defense, yeah, yeah. which, you know, coaches talk about, but we look at it and it's like, well, who cares? He's making a play, <laughs> you know. But, but big picture and plays where he doesn't show up, is he doing his job? Right, right. And MTA, remember, first six games, uh, he, I don't think he would have finished in the top ten, but the first six games, he was arguably the best defensive player on yeah. the team. I think he tailed off a little, but that's fine. He's a, we got to pick our yeah. top 50 coming up here. That's you right. Know. That's, gonna, that's way harder than picking it preseason. Yeah. I think. Yeah, you got you to gotta weigh a lot of things. Yeah, we, for those that, you yeah. know, we, we, we picked the, uh, you know, we ranked the players in the preseason during the summer. And then it was suggested. I don't even know. I don't know why we didn't think of it. Did you think of it about re-ranking them at yeah, the end of the well, season? The first time we ever ranked. It was them, the first so, time yeah. we had ranked them, so we weren't really thinking in those terms. But we are going to re-rank them for whatever that's worth coming up here. So it'll be interesting to see. CMU Pens fans, six running backs have eligible to return: Avery Davis, Tony Jones, Jameer Smith, Sebo, Jafar Armstrong, and Kyron Williams. A seventh, Chris Tyree, is coming on board. How many backs will be in the stable in 2020 when the dust clears? Well. Oh boy, um, you know Avery Davis obviously is probably unhappy about his role, which now again is non-existent. You know he has the same eye catches as Braden Lindsey. He also made his biggest contribution to the team ever, and then he stopped playing when he caught that third down pass on the drive to beat Virginia Tech. I know that's a weird. I mean, maybe he fumbled three times in practice for all we know, right? You just never know what's going on in those yeah, situations. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, he would certainly be a candidate. Um, Tony Jones is a candidate to decide. Tony Jones is a candidate to to um, stop playing football or give it a shot. Give, give the NFL. A, well, he's not. He's going to give the NFL a shot. He's going to give the NFL a shot. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to do that now, but he's a one day going to yeah. give the NFL a shot. Um, Kyron Williams will still be a running back. Jafar Armstrong will still be a running back. Sebo Flemister will still be a running back. Would Would Jamir Smith be disgruntled with Sebo Flemister moving ahead of him? 
Could that be tied to a Tony Jones decision? I think it could be tied to a Tony Jones decision and one tweak to what you said. I think Jafar Armstrong might spend the spring working in the theoretic slot running back role where he doesn't always work out with the running backs. I agree with and that. all of a sudden you have a little bit more open for people to look at a place to, hey, here's my new role. I get to play because Armstrong's a wide right. receiver. When in reality, Armstrong's both. Where he is, As soon as you come back he, to the season, he runs when they need him to. Yeah, where he is a legitimate running back slash slot receiver. Yeah, I think that makes sense because otherwise you have a too crowded of a house. Yeah, I would agree. And maybe they want someone to leave, too. So maybe they don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not uh, happy camp, right? Someone's got to go. I mean, you would think that they want Tony Jones Jr. Yeah. back? Yes, he's a co- he's he's the best running back this year. That's that's that's, no, that's you're right. Key. You're right. I mean, yeah. I know what everybody's saying. I totally get what people are saying that, while well, it's time to move on from Tony Jones. And you know what? If Tony Jones isn't there, I bet you the running back that does play does a better job than he did this year. But we don't know that, and the coaches aren't going to gamble with that. I agree. It was good. Jay, Jay Dolezal. Sebo Flemister has impressed me every time he gets the ball this year. Seems to run hard and fast. With Notre Dame's run game a weakness, why haven't we seen more of him? We are completely with you that he impresses us when he gets the ball. He does run hard. He does not gain as many yards as people when he gets the ball. I have to point this out. He doesn't. He has longest run is 12 yards. In every game Tony Jones plays, he has a longer run than Sebo Flemister. Like, no matter how good he looks, he's still probably... Brian Kelly mentioned he needs to be stronger, and it's probably why he's not breaking the last tackles. He runs hard, he runs physically. But he does break some tackles. But he doesn't gain as many yards as Tony Jones. You know what I mean? And it's not like it's a Phil Dracovic situation where he comes in and there's all the backups playing with him. I mean, he he just doesn't gain as many yards as those guys do, right? Or as Tony Jones does. No, he, he, no but I, I mean, I also think that there's been several games where he's had carries and he just didn't... There was nowhere to run. Same with same with Jones and Smith, yeah, but though. he gets yeah. way more. Jones gets way more opportunities to do that. Sebo gets more out of nothing too. I will because Tony Jones, when there's nothing, falls but sideways. Yeah, that's what gets frustrating. You know, Jones. I mean, how many times have I said I like Sebo Flemister, yeah. and I think there's a bit. You know, and and I and again, Lance Taylor makes you prove it in practice. There's a pecking order on a weekly basis. He clearly took over <coughs> for Jameer Smith. Yeah, he clearly and took he, and he and he clearly took over for Jafar Armstrong. Yeah. I mean, I guess up until they went to Armstrong in the beginning of the second half, boy, do fresh legs, fresh legs mattered when, when Jafar Armstrong came in the game, both his fresh legs and Stanford's lack of fresh legs defensively. Um, and just to give credence to the question, he does deserve more than five carries at Stanford. I completely agree. Yeah. That Sebo Flemister, we both like him, but in re- Tony Jones does do more during the course Eda, of the game. Just remember, Sebo Flemister has eligibility in 2020, 2021, yeah. and 2022. They haven't given up on him. They just want to see him develop. He had to get stronger. I think he has. I think he's broken some tackles. Yeah. Um, I love the guy in high school. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, he was my guy. Why wasn't he recruited more though? I don't know because his film was good. Maybe I thought he was it, smaller than he was listed or something. I, you know, there's a lot of talk about how much he had to get stronger. I think that he's broken some tackles and proven that he has. Is he a consistent performer? My point of mentioning Lance Taylor is: is he a consistent performer on the practice field? You've got to prove yourself in order to get in the game. And that that's what I presume he got him ahead of Jafar yeah. Armstrong against Boston College. Packy P, still confident that Ian Book will return? Probably not as confident as I once was because there's too much whispering in my ear about... Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about Those um, are not sweet nothings, however. Yeah. Ian Book back. God. Um, yeah, that sounds a little weird. Um <laughs> There's enough. Uh, there's enough talk out there that, uh, and I want to discuss this with you, Tim, because you. I think you made an excellent point, and, and and we were hearing about he's not going to come back more a month ago than we are now. And and your theory as to that? He was very unhappy because he was playing poorly and everybody hated him, <laughs> so he wanted to leave. <laughs> and I don't blame him. Uh, where do you think that all came from? Though I think when people. Some people told you this past weekend, Ian Book is, I hear Ian Book is not going to come back. I think that's old information from when they heard it at the beginning of November. Unless he thinks he's played well enough against Boston College and Navy and Virginia Tech to go pro. It is a hard exit for Ian Book. Is that, I can think of no other way of saying this. It's a hard exit for Ian Book to not come back to Notre Dame. And it is a terrible exit for Ian Book for his legacy at Notre Dame and for how he's going to be treated next year. 
on social media, which he cares about clearly, if he leaves Notre Dame and doesn't go pro. If he grad transfers somewhere, that would I think that would be a terrible decision by him. Dane Christ was grad transferring because he wasn't going to play. Malik Zaire was grad transferred because he wasn't going to play. Andrew Hendricks grad transferred because he wasn't going to play. Everett Golson might have played, but he was going to lose. His, he was going to share the job. Yeah, now the rules, are, the rules are different now, but yeah. but you're right. Yes, Ian Book. No, and is I'm the not, starting quarterback. And I'm I'm not saying that he's necessarily going to do that. No, there's but three it, things, is there's three the, it is three one of the it is one of the options. It's stay, go pro, or grad transfer. Grad transfer would be a terrible idea. Well, going pro would be a pretty terrible idea too. I agree, but it, you can't like begrudge him. I want to try to become an NFL quarterback. Like no coach and no players. Well, not no coach because they begrudged Troy Nichols. But um, <laughs> he didn't graduate though. He's a graduating quarterback at Notre right. Dame. He has dreams to play in the pros. No fan and no teammate and no coach should really begrudge him for trying that, even though nobody thinks it would work out for him. Hey, and Ian Book made it all the way through a regular season as a starting quarterback. That's right. How about that? Doesn't happen around these it doesn't, parts. Doesn't, Brian, any Brian Kelly parts. No, no. No, I just jinxed him for the bowl game. Yeah. <laughs> EJ Pollock, tell you what, that'd be an interesting bowl game. EJ Forrestal, <laughs> is Chip Long a front runner for the Memphis job if Mike Norval leaves? I, I would hesitate to say front runner for anybody that's never been a head coach, unless you're a Alabama coordinator. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I no, and there's some exceptions. I, I certainly think he would be interviewed. Um, oh, yeah. I would think he'd be interviewed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there, there's there's he was enough. A finalist for a Broyles Award last year. Yeah. Right? A, a finalist, a final four, <laughs> final four guys. He went to the ceremony. Like, that's as high as it gets in your profession. Yeah. And they've averaged 40 points a game offensively in November. Um, so he did come up. He, he certainly came up with ways to revive the Notre Dame offense, not not with your basic everyday running back running game. But, um, I, I, I mean, I would hesitate to say front runner. I think the Memphis job is per, a pretty attractive job, and there's a lot of lower-level head coaches yeah. – that uh, would be very, very strong candidates as well. But I, I have no doubt that Chip Long would definitely be interviewed for the job. Yeah, that's how I feel too. But I don't know if he'd be the front runner. Matty Hebs, 14. In recent bowl games, there have been opportunities for lesser-used players to get more playing time. Do you guys feel we will see a, a Jordan Genmark Heath type appearance from some players this year? And if so, what players could those guys be? I have another question in that that's different, and I'll save that. I absolutely think they will do that. That's what I was referring to, that they're going to have a different bowl setup. Yeah, but they play so many guys. They do. Who would they – who, who would – True. They do play – who would they – well, I mean, you get, a, you get a long, hard look at Houston Griffith in December because Elohi Gilman, Elliot are leaving. They aren't going to practice much until bowl week. Those two are. And that, this is this sounds shocking to people, but those fifteen practices have nothing to do with Loki Gilman and Jalen Elliott right now. Like, <laughs> that, those guys are very, not, very true. Uh, those so guys I, are going to heal up completely yes. and not. Yeah, um, I think they get a long look at Houston Griffith, which is with an eye towards next year, and see can we insert him in this game somehow. I mean, you know, because no matter what you look at for next spring and everything else, you want to see what you have. You put him in the game. In, a, in the game, um, defensive line is interesting because they can't play Cross or Foskey. Um, in practice, Kareem might not practice until Christmas week. I mean, why would he go out there right now? He's got to heal up. Uh, you know, there's and there's another guy like Jameer Jones is leaving. Um, can't think of who else would rotate in, though. I mean, yeah. Spears, Spears is going to get a look because he's the only guy. He, I mean, he has to – he's going to get a heavy look. He's, he didn't he's got one more. He's got one more game. He's got one more. Adam Iola has to – his Jason has to heal the ankle. Myron Tugavailo Mosa has to heal completely. Uh, so Hunter Spears is getting a lot of play yeah. in practice. Griffith's the guy that comes to mind where they could take a look and say, let's see what we have here because he's been frustrating, I'm sure, for them. Um, yeah, um, K.J. Wallace. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah I would, Crawford I, should take a break. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not saying that K.J. Wallace plays a frontline role in the game but probably gets a ton of, of practice time. Uh, I do want to mention that Jim Marquise had a big tackle on that that goal line that uh, where they uh, had the false start and eventually had yeah. a kicked field goal. He's had a couple now, actually. Yeah, um, that that goal line. Yes, yeah, so that's basically that's basically his role. Um, but man, they play a lot of players. It's kind of it's hard to see too many. The Jim Marquis thing 
uh, from a couple years ago. They had bad safeties. Yeah, they, it, it, yeah, right. It made a little bit more sense to take a chance to a guy that you knew was going to be, or they thought at the time was going to be, and then they moved him, but was going to be a big part of what they were doing moving forward. That leads into the next part of that question. Is it possible to see a Kevin Austin in a bowl game, or has that ship sailed? I don't know, but we only knew that he wasn't going to play this year. Yeah, when, when, I, when I said he wasn't going to play this year, I totally had the regular season in mind. Right, and... He didn't, and he was never going to, and it was just clickbait and it was, to suggest that he was going to by it, other sites. It was falsely reported that that was going to happen. But I don't know how what it means for the bowl game. Or, or could happen. <laughs> could happen. I don't know what it means for the bowl game, though. Uh, I assume he will not play, and they will treat that there's – I don't see why they necessarily – although he's going to get a lot of practice reps. But they were – they know. look, they were, they were looking for ways that they could – Alter the original decision and get him on the field because he's a great student and they feel he's a great kid and they wanted to give him a break or they were looking for ways to give him a break. I hope he plays in the bowl game. I don't think you've sacrificed any of the... You're not writing the margins of Duloc anymore, as you mentioned back in August, if Kevin Austin plays because Kevin Austin clearly should have not played by all accounts from what you've heard. But now, I don't know, you're moving into... The regular season's over. That's that's the season. Uh, that'd be great to see him out there. He's going to get a lot of run in practice. There's there's no doubt. I guess I, I shouldn't say falsely reported because here I am saying that they were looking for ways to to, right. to stretch the rules. But they so, are going to have to go against university but, violations. Yes, and I ne- and, right, right. We we were confident that that just was yeah. not going to happen. Contrary to second team reps at a certain point during well, they November were injured, they had injured and players, right, the wide receiver, right, right, right. He's on the team, but. I think I don't want to say quote all bets are off, but I think that it. I'm going to ask, ask Kelly right away. I, that's a legitimate question. Yeah, because he, yeah, you can't say traits. He just sat out twelve games. <laughs> right, right. It's a legitimate question now to say is the bowl game a different situation in the regular we, season? We will we will ask that. We kind of had a shortage of questions this week, which which kind of reflected that there's no game next week, I guess, or there or the regular season's over. So the camping world bowl too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and also a lot of questions about, is the lack of a running game due to the offensive line or the running backs? Which, I mean, I think we've addressed this, like, a lot. So we skip those questions. And we'll end with this one. KC13, is Tyler Buckner an intriguing and unique enough prospect to keep Kelly slash Long from retiring or leaving earlier than they would have otherwise? Well, Long... write down my answer, right? Uh... <laughs> well, okay, now let... <laughs> Okay, let me let me. Okay, let's just say Brian Kelly has really kind of looked at 2023 as his last year. He wants a two-year extension, so it goes through 2023, and then that would that would be it. Um, but Tyler Buckner is a very very unique guy, and I know that um, they're very excited about what he's going to bring to the equation when he does come. Now, Chip Long, I would expect Chip Long's a head coach by then. I expect Chip Long wants to coach Tyler Buckner first. But Chip Long would like to coach Tyler Buckner. Okay, you wrote down your answer and underlined it three times. Yes, I think they're dying to coach Tyler Buckner. I think they would give a lot up to coach Tyler Buckner, including Chip Long hanging around to coach Tyler Buckner at least one year. I know he wants to coach. Oh Tyler well, Buckner. I should. I mean, Kelly. Kelly's going to be around. Kelly will when be, Buckner, yeah. like at least for two years, right? Or three years. Maybe Casey Thirteen's asking if. Kelly's so happy with the Tyler Buckner era that he just rides it out <laughs> to the end. He's a great prospect. And Chip Long and Brian Kelly think so. Yeah. I mean, that's not just... Yeah, I mean, nothing's going to... Uh, Chip, Chip Long, he gets a head coaching opportunity, he's going to take it. But, um, you know, everybody around Notre Dame believes that Tyler Buckner is a, a, a rare find. Like, you know, is he going to... Is he a five-star? I mean, is he, he getting a enroll. five-star designation? I, I mentioned in Monday Musings, I think he should enroll early, and I kind of meant this month <laughs> to just come get some reps. <laughs> well, that's why, I mean, that's why Ian Book returning for a fifth year, you know, not to not to rule out Phil Dracovic, not to rule out Brendan Clark, not to rule out Drew Pine. If Buckner enrolls early, it's a very interesting first year. If he doesn't enroll early, he's not going to beat him out because it's too hard to do. It's really hard to do. It's hard beat, to walk, beat, beat out anyone. Beat who out? Exactly. Beat out Dracovic. Okay. All right. Dracovic will have backed up Book for another year, gotten more reps, another spring to lead the offense. If Tyler Buckner wants to start as a freshman, you got to enroll early. 
Well, I would agree. And he's faced with that decision. And I believe that he is contemplating that decision, which probably means he will choose that decision. Yeah, I would think. Can you can you think back? Not that we were athletes on the level that these guys are, but can you imagine leaving after your first semester or your senior year? No. It's amazing. My and mom, was, my mom was still wiping my nose. What are what are we talking about here? That, I think it's. it's I'm exaggerating. Of this course. is not. I almost said that's weird. This is. Uh, yes. yeah, <laughs> that seems a bit at SQ. But uh, Phil Dracovic not enrolling early hurt him, and I don't begrudge him not enrolling early at all. He was a basketball player, a very good <laughs> basketball player, and they they won the state championship. He's. I don't. But him, if he enrolled early, he'd have been better off as a quarterback. You got to enroll early now. You do. Yeah, you really do. And I, well, I, certainly. COVID, I would not have enrolled early either. You yeah. had too big of a role on that team. Yeah. I mean But but with the situation that Buckner will be facing where He could start. Where you well okay. Like not day one, but I mean you could put yourself in position to be Yeah. Say Book stays for a fifth year, so that in twenty twenty one the position is is wide open. Right. If Book leaves, Dracovic will either going to win and hold the job or completely lose the job by, yeah. by what happens during the season. You know, like in that case, Tyler Buckner will be coming into Phil Dracovic has started and he has shown he is the quarterback at Notre Dame for another year or while it's open. Right. Right. No, you're right. And it's open if books plays for his fifth year, because then those guys just don't get enough plenty yeah. of time to establish yeah. themselves. Well, these are, uh, these are all things that we're going to find out in the future, including in the future on Sunday where Notre Dame, Specifically, we will we know before then. We'll we'll know before then. <coughs> I yeah, mean, I think you know before then. You, you really don't even have to. It'll all leak because you don't even have to watch the games. That's the thing. Not enough happened to make you wonder. Well, no. I mean, Wisconsin can, can win the game. I think anyone can, can win think, the game. I think. Yeah. Well, okay. That that is true. Um, Wisconsin and Georgia can win. They're they're viable teams. Wisconsin, I think, is going to get murdered, but they can win the game. They're. It's not. That's Stephen F. Austin for crying out loud or something like that. No, but they, they are capable of doing it. I just can't imagine they upset. Ohio no, State's great. I wouldn't think so either. But as of right now, it's certainly looking Camping World Bowl. Um, you know, as far as the opponent, that's a little bit more uncertain. But we'll uh, – Noon we'll, kickoff. We'll know. We'll, it'll be a noon kickoff, which which we will enjoy. And uh, so we'll have, we'll have a podcast again on Monday. We anticipate Pete Sampson being back to join us. And until then, Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley, thank you for joining us on Irish Illustrated Insider. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com.